Hello again, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. Uh, today I'm going to do part three on the power series, and today we're going to be focusing in on money. We're going to talk a little bit about the origins of why it started to be used and um, some of the other ways that were used instead of money, prior to money. And then we're going to talk about some of the ways where that has worked into means of control. Now, I did talk about in the first episode a little bit about money, and I mentioned the fact that it was a essentially a faith-based system enforced by the government or those in power, whether that's a official government or a king or whoever it is. Um, money never has had any actual value. Even so-called precious metals are only valuable because people believe they are. You can't actually eat them or drink them or you can wear them as jewelry, I guess. can't really build a house out of them. So the whole value of their existence is based on faith. Now part of the positive thing that can be seen of the way money came about was in earlier times before money, you had to deal with barter systems where you had to trade goods for other goods in order to get what you needed. Uh, In other words, you had to do most of your own producing for yourself. Um, As economies became more specialized, uh, money does allow the transaction uh, easier than barter. Now, the uh, problems of this is that um, money, it tends to come from the people in power at the top already, so they tend to be able to keep control over how much money goes into circulation, uh, how much coin gets uh, created, or later on how many bills get created, but they have a stranglehold on that. And basically, since they're the ones that put it into circulation, they're also the ones that have the most of it. Now, in earlier times, you didn't always have everything 100% based on money. A lot of wealth was based on land. During the feudal system, uh, the basis of wealth was land. Uh, You had the landowners um, who got the lion's share of that wealth, and then you had the peasants who actually lived on the property and created the wealth, grew the crops, raised the animals, um, made the textiles, things like that. So you, you had a two-tier system then and the wealth was still all controlled by the top. People on top got to choose how much they took um, and at various times they were more or less generous with what they left the peasants. Generally they left the peasants with enough to take care of their needs and not much beyond that. Um, When Adam Smith talks about what is the foundation of wealth, even back in Smith's time he was well aware that the foundation of wealth is labor. Um, it's, it's, nothing has any value until you add labor to it. Even precious metals, someone has to dig them out of the ground. Crops, someone has to grow them, someone has to harvest them. Animals, the same. They have to be raised, they have to be slaughtered, they have to be cooked and prepared. So the basis of wealth, uh, going all the way back to Smith, is labor. Now, labor has never gotten the greatest share of the wealth. The greatest share of the wealth always went to the people at the top, who never did really any of the work. They owned the land at first under the feudal system, um, and then as we moved into the capitalist system, uh, they owned the means of wealth. 
Now, when we were under the feudal system, there was there were laws in place that kept the land from being divided. Uh, the firstborn son would inherit all of the property if you were an aristocrat. Uh, the reason they did this is they didn't want the land to get divvied up into smaller and smaller portions. Uh, the second, third, fourth, fifth-born sons um, had two choices during under the feudal system um, for the most part. They could go into the military and be soldiers, or they could go into the uh, priesthood and become part of the church. Now, if you were a, from a very wealthy family, odds are you would go into the priesthood and... Um, especially under the Catholic Church, and you would get higher positions in that based on your family connections. Uh, so this kept the wealth in very small number of hands. Uh, the third option that starts to come along um, with the rise of capitalism is to go into business. Now, the original businessmen were not noblemen. They were the guilds, uh, the, the tradesmen. Uh, blacksmiths and uh, skilled labor. <clears throat> so these people started to amass wealth. Uh, as colonialism uh, started to take off, uh, these were often the people, the wealthier ones, uh, who would um, take advantage of that and create large amounts of wealth. It came to a point after a while that the people who originally had all the wealth, the aristocracy, were very poor in comparison to the new rising class of capitalists. The capitalists had much more money. Um, the aristocracy still had the titles, but the capitalists had all the money. You can see that money being in one class mainly is going to cause a power shift. This is the biggest reason the aristocracy lost power. They became more and more dependent upon the merchant class. And at a certain point, the merchant class realized, why are we still carrying the aristocracy? We're generating all the wealth. Um, why not get rid of these people and take all of the power as well? So this is where you start to get the revolutions, like the American Revolution, the French Revolution, and the ones that follow. These really weren't revolutions of the common people. Although the common people did a lot of the fighting, and were the ones that supported it, really these were done for the, uh, basically the new aristocracy, the capitalists who were wealthy. Um, they didn't want to share power with a king, uh, with the aristocracy, who they felt were uh, useless and degenerate. <clears throat> when you base wealth on money instead of labor, what happens is the labor is still doing all of the work, but the people at the top are getting the greatest part of the money. And as um, time goes on, this becomes more and more concentrated into a few hands. You start to get, at first, small businesses. You know, these are what Adam Smith was actually talking about, were the good businesses, you know, the, the, the good part of capitalism. Um, he, he really was in favor of... Uh, your small businessmen, not your multinational corporations, not your monopolies. He actually talks about how those can become a danger and undermine everything else uh, because they become too powerful. They get too much of a share of the wealth. They have too much political control. 
<clears throat> they basically become uh, what the uh, what had overthrown the aristocracy become like a new aristocracy and this money gets handed down from generation to generation and increases with every generation uh, mainly because you have um, people going to better schools getting better education but also because they're going to these schools and traveling in these social circles where they meet more connections you know a large part of why the wealthy stay wealthy generation after generation is they all know each other um, these families have been friends for generations and when you need uh, loans for businesses it's not bad if you have quite a few banker friends who can make these loans happen if you fall on hard times it's not a bad idea to have other wealthy friends who can keep you afloat until you get back uh, on your feet so you start to get these clubs where they are concentrated wealth and concentrated in social circles you, you basically have the uh, capitalists behaving the same way the aristocracy did they take on a lot of the same traits uh, including the fact that they're passing very little of that money down to the people who are actually creating the wealth as Adam Smith said the the foundation of all wealth is labor uh, you don't have wealth until labor does something with those materials does something with those crops uh, without that you basically just have things that uh, are unable to be used <clears throat> so you get this shift of more and more money and more and more power into fewer and fewer hands um, as you get wealthier people they start to take even more control of the political system you can see this today you know you want to run for office especially a national office you have to have lots of money to do that and poor people aren't going to be able to give you thousands or millions of dollars behind your campaign uh, so you have to get seek the wealthy donors and when you do that basically you're in their pocket you're gonna pass laws that benefit them otherwise they'll support your opponent the next time so they start to take control of the political power they also start to take control of power in other ways uh, once you have control of the political power you start to have control over education you get to determine what gets taught what doesn't get taught and so you have a very limited education system uh, we'll talk about this much more in a, in a later episode but basically when you are in control of the education system and you're the wealthy you want the majority of people to get an education that makes them obedient and makes them want to conform um, think about the grading system you know this is you're rewarded for your maximum amount of conformity you also don't want an education system that gives people too much ability to think too much ability to reason you want them to think well enough to do their jobs but not well enough to question why things are the way they are <coughs> excuse me so another thing that you start to gain control of the wealthy start to gain control of is they get larger and larger influence on the media I'll think about the 
large movies, large budget movies, the TV shows, the shows on cable, you know, these are not put out by poor people. Uh, there's a lot of money, millions of dollars that go behind this, which means wealthy donors. Um, even though the movies a lot of times make their money back from the box office uh, or from commercials, the original money has to come from wealthy donors, which means projects that they support that put out the kind of ideas they want put out are going to be the things that are made. Ideas that they don't really want people to have access to, those, those, account, those projects are not going to get funded. Uh, they may end up as independent films or uh, things like that, but they're not going to have the mass uh, marketing that the, that the ones that are more in line with what they want. <clears throat> the same thing with the uh, news. You know, at one time, news was put out as a public service. If you had a television station or a radio station, part of your licensing through the FCC was you had to put out uh, the public service of the news. So the news was pretty much a money loser for the people who owned the stations. You know, their news hours on television and on the radio weren't really making them a lot of money. In fact, they were losing a lot of money. But that was the price they had to pay to get their licensing. They had to perform that public service. When you get the rise of cable news, 24-hour news, news becomes much more for profit. And you see the news driving narratives that are much more in line with benefiting the wealthy. Now, you may have what is called liberal or conservative news stations, but really neither of them are very liberal. Uh, they both are pro-wealthy. Uh, the only way they're liberal and conservative deals with social issues. Uh, some of the news stations are more conservative on social issues. Some of them are more liberal on social issues. But you will never see a news station that challenges top-down systems, that challenges the uh, concentration of wealth as it is. You may have small segments here or there, uh, and maybe there'll be a little bit of that just for the people to get a feel that they can vent some of this frustration but you're never going to get any in-depth analysis of how do we change this because this is not in the benefit of the people who are paying the bills. Um, you know, think about sponsorship. If something is popular and going to uh, get a lot of sponsors, it's only going to get sponsors if it's saying what the sponsors want the audience to hear. You know, if you have somebody that is saying, you know, simplify your life, get rid of uh, you know, your excess worldly possessions, move to a smaller house, don't buy lots of uh, extra luxuries you don't need, you're not really going to find a sponsor for that site because the sponsors are people who are trying to sell you products. They're the wealthy. They're, they have a vested interest in you being a good consumer. Anything that challenges that idea um, it is not going to get sponsorship, and it's not going to be heard by a wide number of people. So wealth, um, the basis of wealth is money uh, in, in the current world. And that money is basically a faith-based system. But it has worked itself into so many areas, and it has been enforced for so many centuries 
that people have forgotten the fact that it's still the value of it is based on nothing. Uh, even if you were to go back and base it on gold and silver, the value of it is still based on nothing. Um, money basically uh, becomes a way for a small number of people to hoard the actual wealth. Um, and the actual wealth, as we said, is labor. Uh, labor is what produces all of the wealth. Now, when you look in the world, uh, you'll find that laborers are the people who make the least money. And in fact, with the free trade agreements pushed through by the wealthy, uh, it made it easier to export jobs to countries where they didn't have to pay high wages. You know, the jobs that people are doing for a dollar a day now in other countries used to be middle class jobs in this country. Um, but the wealthy didn't want to pay labor. They still wanted to make the high profits. So they shipped the businesses uh, as far as the manufacturing to places where they could get the cheapest labor. Um, in order to bring down prices of labor, if you study the, the theory of supply and demand, which is another thing that Smith goes into, you know, the more supply you have uh, and the less demand, the more the price goes down. So when you have a lot of people who want jobs and not as many jobs, you can pay them less. Uh, you can see where it would be in the best interest of the wealthy to tell poor people to keep having lots of children. Uh, the more children they have, the more the labor pool, the more you can drive down the prices for those jobs. If you've got 200,000 people and 10,000 jobs, you can pretty much pay very little for those jobs because people are going to be very desperate to do them. They're going to take them for almost nothing. So the, the use of money um, has always been to shift all of the benefits to a very small number of people and to kind of force the rest of society to do all the work and to um, be satisfied with what, whatever little crumbs are passed along. Okay, I'm going to break that off uh, for now and... As I said, we'll go back into some of these topics in some of the future uh, discussions on power. Um, I hope you are all doing well, and I will hopefully speak to you again very soon. Have a good night.